to some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Um, Halloween. You know, the one with the guy in the white mask who walks around and stalks babysitters. I'm Ollie. And we are Creeping It in the Family, a podcast where we dish details about all things horror. Episode 90, Scream 3. What, a, what an episode to go to. A, a, wait, what is it? A zero? Is it a ten? What? Like, is it your tens? Oh, no. I don't know. What are you on about? I don't... <laughs> you know, like you've got your hundreds, tens and units. Is 90 a ten? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a well, while we're since, both thick It's been shit. a while since I've had to use uh, numbers. Yeah. Oliver, you're an electrician. You're an electrical engineer. That's colours, isn't it? That's colours. Yeah, anyway. Black, brown, grey. A few things I'll get off. Gail's fringe in this film is offensive. Oh, it's fucking hilarious. (laughs) It it offends me. Did you see Courtney Cox? Well, probably not because you probably don't follow Courtney Cox on Instagram. But she did like when Scream was being filmed, she got somebody to dress up as Scream and she did the bangs getting like Scream was behind her like that. Uh, no, I haven't seen it. The, this this film is actually all right. Like it's def- I like it's it. definitely the lowest caliber of the three screams. But it's de- yeah, the, I'm on the, the original trilogy. Okay, okay. But it's it's not bad. The the thing is, it's and this is like a common theme with this film. Like most people agree that the voice changer kills it. Like the the film's actually I liked. I, like it's got a Roman is a pretty shit killer. Yeah, he is. But the, the this film focuses on not just like a slasher, but it's actually about like oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was looking. I was looking for the picture from her Instagram. It, it it like it shows quite clearly like the exploitation of young actors and actresses mm. in Hollywood, which is definitely probably still a thing now. It's very and, relevant. It's yeah, like Wes Craven yeah, from yeah, Beyond like, the Grave. Yeah, like, I, having to and the fact that Wes Craven went in on this like just goes to show, doesn't it? Like, yeah. it's basically because Wes Craven will know people that that this has happened. Well, to I was gonna I was gonna go in on that later on, but Harvey Weinstein produced this film. Yeah, it's he crazy. literally okay. He greenlit this film about a guy who raped a woman she had a child didn't want it yeah and like he gets away with it and says there's like he invited her and harvey weinstein was just like yeah that's fucking fine because they think they're invincible yeah. they think they're untouchable so it's it touches on quite important topics it does. it's not just like you're you're one of the mill slasher where there's a guy in a mask and there are some there are some good bits in it but again it's all it's all cancelled out because of this voice changer not cancelled out but when, you, when people think of Scream 3, they think of that stupid voice changer that can imitate anyone's voice perfectly mm. in, in real time, which the, the technology isn't even about for that no, to happen now. I mean, it's not, I mean, and it's not really a big feature of the film. It doesn't feature a lot, but the bits it does feature and you're just like, ugh. It may, the, the, the thing about Ghostface is, the reason why he's like quite a prolific killer, or one of them, is because he's so good at getting, like you think about all the Scream films, they get... The, the right people in the right mm. place at the right time. And it's always done like quite cleverly, whereas this time it's just, oh, I'll ring up and use so-and-so Yeah, I voice. can do whatever I want. Yeah, and it just kind of takes a sting out of it. It feels cheap. It feels like a, a cheap way to get these people in these places. And also, I kind of wish that, like, people going about Randy and, it, like, he shouldn't have died, which I agree with, but I think Cotton would have been a great character to have, like, further on down in the lines. Well, it was Lee Schreiber, Lee, Lev, hmm. Left Schreiber's decision, he came up with the thing of, oh, why do we kill Cotton in the opening? I, do, I just don't agree with it. I, think I, I like I, Cotton. I, I, th- I think he's a character that has been there from film one, but not in the main cast. Mm. Even in Scream 2, he wasn't, he wasn't like, he didn't get major screen time, but he was obviously a big factor to play in the film. He got more at the end, didn't Yeah, he? and I feel like he, he could have been like, because all you've really got in the Scream series now is the big three. But I think it would have been good to have the big three and then some. Yeah. Kind of what Halloween Kills tried to do, but they, they did it wrong. Where they bring up cast from before where... Evil dies Yeah, they, they brought... They, they, they got some of them right. Like, the, Tommy fucking Doyle was just... Fuck rid- Tommy Doyle. Ridiculous. Tommy Doyle dies tonight. That's... But but there could have been like... I just think it like it would have been such a good... Because the one thing when it comes to like if you're rebooting a series or you're rebooting a film or a franchise, it, it's good for nostalgia if you can get someone who used to be in there. Bring it in. Yeah, and bring them back in. I feel like Cotton would have been a perfect character for that. Well, I mean, he's not... 
there's been no murmurs of him. There's nothing in the cast. There's nothing being said. And maybe it'd just be an off character. No. But I was thinking maybe Kincaid's the baby daddy. Kincaid would be a good one. Cause he's, so I, maybe it's, he's it's in... in my notes down here. He's one of the most likeable detectives yeah, like, in any horror ever. Like Normally detectives are either really goofy or really weird and suspicious. And in, in this one, they are just good detectives. And speaking from a female perspective, like he's not bad to look at either. But he... Uh, Maybe he's Sydney's baby daddy. Could be. And he's maybe just not mentioned. Maybe yeah. it's just the idea that, yeah, it's Kincaid's child. Yeah. Because he is like, nice. And I liked him and Sydney. I feel like they, they worked well together. Yeah. But let's uh, let's get into the film because we've got four pages of notes to go. And Oliver is not, but I have. <laughs> and we'll get through it. So, I hate they. I hate that they made Cotton Weary such a cock. Yeah, I point. agree with that. I feel like... First film, we didn't really know a lot about him. We knew he was accused of Marine's murder, uh, but obviously he was exonerated of it. And second one, he turned into a really good guy. Like, he had a bit of iffy points halfway through, like, in the library. Uh, but ultimately, he, was, he, was he, saved, savior, he yeah. saved Sydney. And then in the third one, he's just a knob. Mm. And he just, you know, it's like this random woman calls, and she's like... Cotton, where are you? 100%, which is a hilarious TV show name, by cotton, the way. Yeah. 100% Cotton is fantastic. However, he, he's like, he knows his, she knows he's got a girlfriend, he knows he's got a girlfriend, and yet he's like, all oh, right. Yeah, okay, yeah, it was yeah. Just, just a bit unnecessary. Yeah. He liked him. He was it a, made him a yeah, dick. Yeah, it, it didn't need to be a dick. But the voice then changes from the woman to ghost face, yeah. and I, I put this down straight away. It's the biggest mistake in the movie. The voice changer. Yeah, it it's just it's not it's unnecessary. Yeah. But we know that Ghostface is there with Christine in their apartment, and it also makes a point of showing that the phone wires are cut. And this made me laugh. So Christine gets out of the shower. I love the fact that in all four screen films there has been no nudity. It's yeah. just something I like, and I feel like that is still a commentary point. Wes Craven was we aware of that. He yeah. purposely did it that way. Didn't and he? I like that. But she gets out of the shower, she puts on I can't remember, like a black slip or something like yeah. that. And then she gets, she hears somebody coming into the house and she's like, Cotton, is that you? And he's like, he's talking to her and then he starts, it gets a bit shifty. And she's like, I don't like your stab games. And I was like, oh my God, this is a fucking tragedy. And you're turning it into some sort of sex role yeah. play. Like, what the fuck's that? Does he wear the mask? Oh no. I don't know. I don't, I'm surprised he does because he don't like the, he don't like the production because they didn't get him a big role, did they? No, he wanted a bigger but role. Just the idea, of, like your stab games, like they have yeah. literally turned this into foreplay, and I was just like, no, I don't like that. But Ghostface uses Cotton's voice and chases her. Cotton comes in, he arms himself with a poker. Well, well played, you know. He's got a weapon. Yeah. You think you'd have more than a fucking poker in the house though if you'd been in like two bloody. Well, you, he's only been in one murder scene, I suppose. Like, one murder film. Yeah. But he sees stab marks in the door and goes to open it. And Christine absolutely goes at him with a golf club. Because she thinks it's Cotton. She doesn't have any other clue because he's like... Um, she She's like, why do you want to kill me? And he's like, yeah. no, I, I don't want to kill you. It's his voice changer. That's the whole thing. Yeah. You know? it just, it's, a complete, it's just a complete and utter... Make, like, it throws everything. The, 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 yeah, they're fucked up by using that because it just it just, it's just a cheap feeling. Yeah, completely. But Ghostface comes up behind Christine, and just as he's about to kill her, Cotton tries to move her out of the yeah. way, but she smacks him with the golf club across the head. What a hit, by yeah. the way! And he's obviously out for the count for the moment, and Ghostface kills Christine. So she is the opening kill. Bit of a shit opening kill. You've got the likes of. You've got the likes of like Casey Becker. See, and... it's it's one of the that that killing itself is not great, but I think it's one of the best opening scenes to a to a scream. Really, like, I do, I just love the the cotton wearing it. It's the you should have told me why Sydney was cotton, and I just, yeah. it instantly get you instantly get this feeling of like from the get go, Ghostface is after Sydney like instantly, and I, I just I just oh god, just the way. Is looking over him like with a knife. It, don't worry, you can never better the first. Yeah. But the, what was the second, second one? The cinema? cinema. That's a fucking sick uh, kill. It is, but it's it's not ghost face in the sense where it's chasing you around the house and and all this. Like, do you know? Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. It, it Scream Two is be, is different and better in its own right because it's public. It, it like and it's 
It's always it's always spine tingling when you mm. something like that happens in public because you think how can it happen with so many people present? Yeah. But for me, there's nothing more like there's nothing more ghost facing being chased around a house. So. <laughs> Just imagine you being chased. Yeah, that that, that for me is peak ghost face. That would be hilarious. So Cotton gets slashed. They have a bit of a brawl, but then he gets a knife to the chest. Can I just say, I felt repetitively sick whenever, because there seemed to be a lot of knives to the chest Mm. and you can hear it and it sounds like a squeaky toy. And if you pay attention to it properly, it's like, like you can, you can physically hear the knife going into the heart and it's like, it made me feel sick and it did it every single time. And I was like, no, I can't cope with that. But yeah, then it's Scream 3, open title. So before we get into into it, I want to ask you a question. Who is the most sus as fuck in the whole film to be the killer? Um, I went Kincaid. So if I hadn't watched it before... Oh, probably Kincaid, but that's because he's over-sus. Like, the yeah. the snippets of like the obsession with Sidney Prescott in, in his draw and that. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably go with Kincaid. It's quite... The, the thing is that a lot of the cast in this film are so forgettable like yeah. the actors that are meant to be playing Dewey Gale they're all forgetful which not, is no not Gale not, no, no Jen, 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 Jennifer Jen, Jen, is Jennifer's a highlight of the film she like. is she she's so good she kind of saves that actors in the actors yeah. position she saves, she saves that group <laughs> some is, of her one liners are so good yeah cool. which is strange because the Sydney's um, actor was apparently meant to be the she second killer. She was going to be the second yeah. killer. Girlfriend of Roman yeah. and ex-classmate of Sydney's. Yeah. Which would have made sense and actually tied in nicely to the timeline because in Scream 2, Sydney went to college and did acting. Yeah, there were, so, there was, there were certain parts in it where you were... Where it would make sense for there to be two killers. Yeah. It, there's never a point where you think that's impossible with just one person, but it would make a lot more sense if there was two killers present. Yeah, definitely. So then it cuts to the opening credits. So we first get our glimpse of Sydney Prescott, all American hero, absolute champion, and she's go. She lives in the house in the middle of nowhere with a dog who is gorgeous, mm. by the way, and it's all secure and alarmed and locked. Why the fuck do, could nobody just like jump over that fence though? They could, is, they could do. This is what I was thinking. Sid, was... Sydney's safe house thing is bollocks. I think this is one of the parts in the film where I just think, ugh, like. I get it though. I, I get why she's there, but it's also like if Sydney's dad's visiting her, Sydney will be so easy to track. Like, it, 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 mm. it, the ghost face, if Ghostface knew or Roman knew that Sydney's dad visited her, all he'd have to do is raid his house, find documents, find anything, find, go through his phone. Mm. He'd be able to track Sydney down. When you're in witness protection, you. You are away from the world. Yeah, you're 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 invisible. But Dewey has a number. Yeah, exactly. So I just I just think if Ghostface really wanted to find her, he would have done. But then did he not want to find her and just get her back into Hollywood? That's another point in the film. I'm just like, fuck off. Like, why would she go there? But carry on. But we learn she works for a counselling phone line, and she uses a false name, and she's got a false um, like a tracker on her phone. So when she presses that, she says she's from Monterey. Yeah. And so that's. Where they let her in. We then cut to Gail Weathers, her fucking hair. She looks like a spring chicken. Yeah, God. It's, it's so funny. It's questionable, isn't it? A little fun fact. David Arquette was the one who suggested that she cut her hair like that. To really? Like Betty Page. I was like... Oh. Fucking hell. Like, that is divorce. Like, no wonder they got divorced. Because that is divorce worthy. But Detective... Uh, I, put, <laughs> I put Detective McDreamy. But I, Detective Kincaid is waiting for Gail... Uh, he says that there's been the murder of Cotton and the girlfriend and the murderer also left a picture of Maureen Prescott. Yeah. This made me absolutely pissed because I was like, surely somebody fucking knew that was Maureen Prescott before yeah. Gail did. Yeah, because so. Gail was just like, oh yeah, Maureen Prescott. Like straight off the bat, she knew. So Sydney also hears about the murders and looks pretty triggered as you would. Like she shared yeah. herself. She knows, she knows something's not right. And I love this film for what it does for Sydney. She's got less screen time but it really tackles how she deals with it psychologically. If we'd have just had... So Scream 1, she's she, she's quite naive and turns badass. Yeah. Scream 2, she's badass. Scream 3, she's triggered. She's got... It's PTSD. She's yeah. she's not as strong as she was. She's she's sort of like feeling the backlash from it. And then Scream 4, she's badass. If we just had solid Sydney Prescott badass all the way through, it's just not going to be as yeah. believable. And I do like how they sort of humanised her. It's like what they did with Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween H2O. Yeah. They they gave her PTSD and it it brought something to a character. But the we cut to the film set at Sunrise Studios and we meet Roman who's the director of the film and he doesn't want the movie shut down because he's saying all I wanted to do was a romance movie and they said I've got to do a horror first but yeah. then I 
then I can do a romance. And he's upset because he really doesn't want it to finish. And we also meet the rest of the cast. And this the detect the other detective. It's not. Kincaid. It, no, it's not. It, 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 it was the making movie, a movie called Stabbed. stabbed. He, he was stabbed. Because yeah. <laughs> the Roman's like, just because the just because he's doing a horror movie it's, doesn't mean it's that... Milton, isn't it? He says detectives. Do, there's no reason to suggest why this this murder would have anything to do with the, the film. And he goes, he was making, making a, movie a movie called, called stabbed. stabbed. He was, he was stabbed. stabbed. <laughs> it's so funny. The, the, it, the detectives are good. Like it's hard they to find like character like detective characters in films. That are actually like bearable. Yeah, like they're watchable, and you, and you think they do seem like real people. And Kincaid and this other guy, like, definitely do. Well, they were doing um, while they're doing this. Gail enters this, and also I had Mandela effect because I I thought that the detective, not Kincaid, the the small detective, the funny one. He, I thought he was played by Ben Stiller. Was and what I, and you've seen Meet the Fockers, haven't you? Uh, I don't think so. Meet the Fox is hilarious, but is is in that? You know, no. if you did, you watch extras. No, uh, not all of them. Did you watch the first episode? Yeah, but I. Promised. But he's the director in that. He was one of the famous ones. But right. yeah, he's he's hilarious. But I thought it was him, and I, I that that's where I went with it. Is it not? No, it's not the guy out. It's not the lead out of the office. Ben Still is not the lead in the office US version, is he? No, that's... it looks like him though. What, Michael Scott? Yeah, he looks like Michael Scott. He's like the British version right, of Michael Scott. Right. Anyway, sorry, back to it. Uh, Gail enters the studio with a camera bag. And I, I just want to, as I say, just reiterate my shout out for Parker Posey, who plays Jennifer in this film, because she is hilarious. Yeah, she's, she comes she's, up she's to, definitely a highlight of the film. She comes up to Gail like a, a puppy dog, because she's so excited. And she is so, she is genuinely thrilled to meet her at the start. And she's like, don't worry about like not calling me back and stuff. And like, it's fine. And But we work out that actually Jen, Jennifer and Dewey are quite close. Yeah, they're not together. No. They're not in a relationship, but they are close. Like Jennifer relies on Dewey. Yeah, and Gail and Dewey finally meet up and things go a little, and we learn that things went south between them. So she says, you know, I, I and I feel... I feel like this was quite emotionally manipulative of Dewey here. He's saying, you know, you didn't stay. And she was like, I stayed until you get better. But a year in Woodsboro is seven anywhere else. Yeah. So it's the idea that, you know, it, it, right it was it. a ghost she, she town. Yeah. And I feel, I feel, I feel like it was quite manipulative there. He was happy with that quiet, yeah. like suburban lifestyle. And it just wasn't for her. But then Parker Posey starts, like Jennifer starts, and she's like, I had somebody who helped me rediscover that lost and lonely little girl inside. Yeah, <laughs> and Gail loses a shit at her. And after that, yeah, she gets kicked out because Dewey's like, you know, I got you that bag. Because she's got a camera hidden in the bag. And Milton sort of throws her out. Neil comes to visit Sydney and he's worried about her and Sydney's reaction is well psychos can't kill what they can't fight so she if she she feels if she stays hidden then everybody else is better off without her and yeah. she's better off without you know being murdered and oh this is it this is the bit where she goes to sleep the next night so just a little bit of context on my living room as we speak right now we're we're in the dining room I've got a set of patio doors and they don't have curtains on them at the minute because I'm awaiting new curtains so it's just bare and I've got quite I would say like a shrub, shrubby garden like there's lots of yeah. trees surrounding it and it's dark and the next scene shits me up so bad that I couldn't I couldn't physically look in my dining room because I was that scared I couldn't even look at the screen at one point so Sydney falls asleep and we get a close look at Marine like it zooms in on a picture and then we see her coming through the garden mm. and opening the gate and the sort like the music behind it is so sinister yeah. and freaky and i know it's it's poking fun at the whole meta version of paranormal things yeah. but it is terrifying and she comes up to the door and she the the window sorry and she's like pressing her hands against it and she's like Sid mm. and Sydney's watching her and she's telling her everything you touch dies you're poisoned just like me you're just like me and it's the way she puts her hands up at the window yeah. and there's blood on them and the blood just squeaks and Sydney's obviously sobbing her, her heart out yeah. she's she's seen a dead mum <coughs> and she goes out and just as she's about to sort of look over ghost face pops up she wakes up and we work out actually Sydney was only dreaming, but once again, it's just a trigger for a past. What do you think of that scene, interestingly? Uh, I think I don't like it as much. 
just because uh, it's that the, the only reason for me maybe this comes back to because I watched it as a kid was obviously the the part about Sydney uh, Sydney's mum Maureen coming up to the window is not true it's it's a vision it's mm. a it's a dream and I, for one I don't like when things are a dream in horror films and I also don't like it because then Roman dresses up as a again doesn't he like in the but, white sheet but does he he does he does it the fat finale but i yeah he, at the house scene you don't know but that's, yeah, that's what i don't that's what i don't like but that's what i do like i, I, I like the like idea that. so we've got like it's clear from this scene that sydney's mental state is not in a good place and as you know what I don't blame her like yeah. a boyfriend and his best friend murdered a friend and tried to kill her and killed a mother as well you know she was the boyfriend's mother that was dead tried to kill her afterwards. She's she's not in a good way. But I like the fact that we don't know. And in the house, we still don't know. See, when I, she's don't, in that I, I don't house. like that. I think that's I don't I don't like that when when that happens in a film. I like to know like is that like I like to know is the threat real or not? Because in my eyes if the threat ain't real I don't I don't find it scary. Okay. So we go to Sarah's death next. That's the uh, that's the next death in the film. So she's supposed to meet Roman because there's been another rewrite of the script yeah. so she wants to go over it and he isn't there but he calls her from his office phone and she, this bit made me piss as well so she drops his MTV award and she beheads it yeah. and then just like leaves it on the side and it comes back later in yeah. this fucking one liner that's hilarious but Roman's on the phone they're having a conversation and you know she's not happy with the character but he's like let's just read the script and so they're reading the script and it's completely different as the game because he's like, uh, you know what name I like? Sarah. Yeah, he's like, starts calling her Sarah, which is obviously a real name. And she, But she's not freaked out at this point. She's just like, has there been another goddamn rewrite? Like, how are we supposed to learn our lines? Again, which is meta because Scream had to go through several rewrites because of script leaks. So yeah. again, they're taking the piss out of their own film. So she ends up getting chased by Ghostface. There's quite a cool scene that sort of mimics Scream 2 when Gail's being chased around the Sound Blue studio, but she's being chased around I love the scene with all the ghost face costumes. Yeah. It's eerie as fuck. And I, I, the only thing is, I wish she'd have played on it a little more. Like, it was quite in and out. Like, she was in, she was, like, hiding around. And then you see Ghostface knife coming out. I'd like her to, like, go through costumes and, like, push them and stuff. Yeah. Like, it could have played on her mind a bit more. Yeah, that would have been good. It, but she ends up getting uh, killed and hauled through a door panel window. And that's uh, that's her dead. I did like the fact that she was trying to hit him with all these props. Yeah, and they, just and they were just bending about, and yeah, flopping about. And she, she's done for and she knows it. So then we cut to Dewey and Gail's meeting up at the cafe. He's butthurt because she didn't stay in Woodsboro. And we learn a woman asked for Sid's file and it was refused. And after and a few months later, the room was ransacked, but Dewey had already moved it. So Sydney's file yeah. was hunted for. Now... Was it Angelina? What do you mean? Did Angelina ask to move it? Was it Roman that asked to... Do you think it was Roman using the voice changer? Or do you think it was Angelina? Because if we were going with the Angelina being the second killer, killer, it could have been Angelina. Also, she wanted to play Sydney the very best that she could. Yeah. So maybe it was... It does does link up, doesn't it? Yeah, a lot of it does link up to it being Angelina. But I I would have been disappointed if it was. I feel like she was a really weak character. I feel like she was one of the weak Do you think she was going to be a stronger character? And then when they decided there was only going to be one killer, they kind of just took out some lines and stuff. Or do you think that have genuinely revealed that she was a second killer? I've got a fun fact about that. And I will go over it later. So we cut to Jennifer calling Dewey and... Gail follows and she's smoking and she's stressed out and we learn. <laughs> Gail follows. That's Gail what I follows. just when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> because she's standing there with this cigarette and she's like, I haven't had one of these in a year yeah. and a half. Someone's going to pay for this. But she's pissed off because Gail's there and it, it's just all kicking off between them. Gail's sort of... Gail and Dewey are a weird couple. I mean, I don't think they're together in this film. No, they're not. I think, uh, I think they split up. But we learn that Dewey stays in a trailer and not with Jennifer. But she likes having him around. Gail ends up speaking with Kincaid. And there's another photo that's been left behind at uh, Sarah's death. And Kincaid borrows Dewey's phone, which is a... Yes. Play that, and I like little details. I like because it comes up later on. And that 
that's such a subtle way to make someone a suspect without them being caught with something. Like, you know when what's her face Sydney's actor gets caught mm. with a ghost mask mask in the toilet and stuff yeah, on the phone. Angelina. You just, you just think, nah, that's too obvious. But like little subtle ones like Kincaid borrowing mm. Sydney's phone and then later on when they say, oh, well, who who has Sydney's phone? Or, yeah. or who's used and your if, phone? But if you've not watched it before, I don't think you'd pick up you on it. No, you won't pick because, up on it. And then you'd be like, well... But I, th- I, think, I think filmmakers sometimes do make films with the intention of you might miss this the first time. Like every you time, watch it again. Every time you watch it, you might watch you like learn something else. Yeah, but I love the fact that Roman's sitting there and he's like, "Well, I'm clearly next." And they're like, "Well, why would you be next?" And he holds up the fucking yeah. beheaded statue. And he's like, "You don't think this is a sign?" <laughs> but what makes me laugh even more is he's sitting there as the killer saying that. And I was just like, yeah. "This is so weird." But the police detectives work out that Roman was the last person to call her, and so they take him in for questioning. This is the part where you. This is. A scene where you come with us like yeah. another, another one line <laughs> he is good the the, uh, the other detective is very good uh, it cuts back to Sydney as Laura answering the phone she's working at the counsellor thing and she says she's killed someone and she, Sydney's like well then you need to call the police and yeah. she's like no I need to talk to you and Sydney looks down and she realises she hasn't switched the home from the yeah. work thing. So it knows a location now. Mm. And she's freaking out. She's panicking. And she says, uh, you've got, turn on the news. You know your mother's voice. Turn on the news. Because the, sa- the woman who's calling sounds, sounds like, like Marine. Marine yeah. And so she turns the... Uh, screen on and she learns about all the like the other murders that are happening and she knows that it's happening again uh she has a gun though she locks and loads which i appreciate and then presumably gets in a car and starts heading over to la because we don't see anything yeah. until we meet her again later so this is the big rap party this is jennifer's house and they're all sitting and chilling because the the production's been put on hold because of all yeah. the murders and things like that and I love the fact that Tom, who plays Dewey, Dewey's character, is like bitching at Angelina and Jennifer. Like, so you asked her out and she said no, and yeah. he's like, that's got nothing to do <laughs> yeah. with it. It's so good. But uh, Gail's caught snooping in the background and she tells Dewey that there was a period of time where Marine left Woodsboro because she's like, oh, I needed some information for Dewey, and we don't know where and why Marine went, mm. and so it's still a bit of a mystery. But then Dewey looks at the photos because previously Dewey had been looking at photos of Jennifer in the exact same spot at Sunrise Studios, yeah. and he's like, no, I've literally just seen a picture of Jennifer that looks exactly the same as that. It's the exact same place. The bodyguard gets a call from Dewey, and he's in the trailer and like taking his change and shit like that, which I've also found very funny. Yeah. He's called Stone, and Dewey makes a remark about um, it, it. Stone makes a remark about Tatum, which is the only time we ever get really get to yeah. hear about Tatum in the film because he's like, I'm making sure that nobody's waiting for you like they waited for your sister or yeah. something like that, and he's like, I can't believe you said that, but it's Ghostface and he kills him. Sort of. They're all in the house. Door flies open. Everyone meets up. But Stone then sort of stumbles into the door. And he looks like battered and bruised because Goface has been on, in at him with a pan. Yeah. And he falls over and the knife's in his back. And I like this bit because it is such an accurate portrayal of everyone shitting themselves. So, like, he, he gets in and he's like, he hears a noise and he's like, everybody in the house. They all run in the electric squad. And it's just mass yeah. panic. And it's so... I do feel it's very realistic. I feel like whatever happens next is not realistic. But I do feel like it is quite realistic from there. So they then start talking about um, going in or out, going inside, outside. And Gail's like, no, we all need to go outside, go to the back. If the killer's saying get inside, then we need to be outside. So they all leave. And then the fax machine starts faxing shit through. Does he have a fax machine in the back of his car? This is this is another I, thing. I don't know how fax machines work. I don't know if you could send them through your phone. I'm sure, I'm sure you, no. you can. A fax machine has to go through. Well, a, it, in like well, a block. Well, then again, maybe it points towards two killers. Yeah. But then, even then, but then was, Angelina's in the house. Even then, yeah. And plus, it'd have to be so in sync, like because that the it's got a time well with the light in of yeah. the lighter and. How does a killer even know that the lighter was going to be left there? Like it's it's it is a bizarre. Uh, it's good though. It, it's silly. 
but it, it, it's all right. It serves its purpose. So the faxes keep coming in and Jennifer's in there first and she's reading through and it's like the killer's going to grant mercy to only one person. Who will the killer grant mercy to? And then Tom goes in when he hears another fax go off and he can't see it properly. And it's like the killer will grant mercy to, grant mercy to, and he grabs a lighter and flicks it on and he's like, whoever smells the, and it's gas. Yeah. And as soon as he says it, the place just lights up. Now you're not fucking telling me that that house took so long of gas to fill up. You'd have smelled it a mile off. A, they'd have smelled it. B, he was lighting a fag only about 10 minutes previous. He'd have blown up before that anyway. Uh, it depends. I don't know how American gas systems work. But I know in the UK, like, the gas you use for your hob and that doesn't smell naturally. We, like, the gas companies add something into it to make it so you can smell it if it's Good leaking. fucking job. Or I'd have so been dead when I got back from Alton Towers. I don't know if Americans do that. Probably do. It's probably legal like it's, it's illegal to, to not do, do it. it yeah but i don't know but yeah like you said the, the, we're looking into fucking plumbing re, uh, plumbing and gas legislations to try and justify what that that, that yeah. scene was stupid it's it, they needed a big blow-up scene the house, didn't they yeah the house won't like it just wouldn't go down that way but yeah, yeah. It, it was a hollywood shot wasn't it, it yeah. was a big explosion with all your cast flying about it was it was a bit out of place for a screen movie yeah it was i agree and it didn't yeah, it was. It was sort of like, right, we've got a bit of budget left over. Let's Didn't make them all rolling down up. the hill. Like it was just a bit strange. Yeah, so they all ro- they're all rolling down the hill. Uh, Dewey and Gale are sort of closer to each other, but they, uh, Gale's further. Gale's further down, but he can see her. And just as she's like, "I'm here, I'm good," Ghostface pops up from behind the. Uh, and, and Dewey suddenly has the accuracy. The, Dewey's like, accuracy is, in this film is any, any other fucking horror film, uh, well, he's so film, inferior. He, he, he could have a fucking gun pointed, like pressing in someone's head and still and miss he a shot. <laughs> st- the, the, the shot would fucking just go up straight directly upwards. But in but this in this sick. film, yeah, it's a hundred percent accuracy. And this is the film after he's been stabbed in the shoulder that was meant to prevent him from able being like a police officer. Oh, piss funny. Uh, yeah, it makes me laugh. But Ghostface ends up rolling under the car and we don't see them again and he leaves another picture of Maureen. And then Jennifer's, like, Dewey and Gail share this, like, moment and it's all cute. And then Jennifer walks over and she's like, what the hell happened to you? And, she like, she ends up... Gail just turns around and ends up, like, smacking her and she's on the floor and she's like, my lawyer, like that. Yeah. Gail's like, that's as much as I did. They are those two. I wish that Jennifer had survived because yeah. those two are hilarious together. So Angelina ended up in a really weird place, and she looks really frantic and spaced out. And she's like, "Are we safe?" Yeah, we're and it, safe. And and do we even ask a question like, "How are you?" How did there? you get yeah. all the way over there? Yeah, it's it's an odd one, and it does strike suspicion. So they go back to the police station now, and Kincaid wants Sydney involved because she might know things about Marine that nobody else knows. Yeah. And it turns out Sydney's already on her way. Because Dewey goes to call her, and just as he's like, Sid, we've, we've got to get you there, she just fucking walks through. Yeah, it's the dumbest thing for Sydney to come back here. Like, it, it, you can try and justify it anyway, but no one in that situation is coming back. Like, I know she says I'm safe here. Like, you wouldn't, you just go somewhere else. You tell the yeah. police that he's got hold of me, I need to move, and if you're under witness protection, they'll move you in no time. Like, you'll be gone and under a new identity again within, within 48 hours. So, I know it's this big heroic, like, get Sydney back and Sydney. Sydney's coming back to save him, but it, she just wouldn't come back. I don't. No. I don't feel. So there's awkward hugs between Sydney and Gail because out of all, two, all four films out of two of them, she's been punched. Yeah. So it's quite a nice yeah, little welcome for them two. No, and I like that. I like the fact that they've never been portrayed as the best of friends yeah. because she's still angry at Gail for what dragging Marine's name through the mud regardless of whether Cotton was the convicted killer or not she she yeah. put her mum through the mill and it wasn't very fair but by the same count this this seems sort of okay in this film did you notice that she's wearing Derek's the, uh, yeah letters? I noticed it when she was outside the house and scanning it yeah from Scream 2 I was like that's so emotional emotional I couldn't cope but Sydney, so they end up going to the Sunrise Studios. Sydney, Dewey, and Gail meet Martha, who is Randy's sister. Now, in Scream 5, possibly there's a Meeks, and Randy's name is Meeks. So I'm presuming that'll be Martha's kids. Because mm. the sister will be younger, because they're both Meeks. Yeah. Meeks, Meeks twins, Meeks sister and brother, or something like that. And she, she's come all the way from Woodsboro to 
show them this one video at 17 years old in yeah. LA on yeah. her own, but and got a trailer. While there's a killer about. While there's a killer about, who, but yeah. Who actively goes with people who are no Sydney yeah. at all? Like if if Sydney didn't know you now, there's no point introducing yourself. No, well, just stay away from her. So. The we get the rules of a trilogy now. This was clearly put in because people were still fuming about the fact that Randy died, and so they wanted yeah, him back. This is like I said this. I said it's nice, but it's also a bit of a backhander. Like, oh, Randy's in it, but not. He's not really. Not, not really, <laughs> like he could have been, but we killed him. Like, yeah. uh, but you, you, uh, Wes Craven admitted that he regretted that, didn't he? he regretted that he, he wished he didn't yeah. kill off uh, Randy. But it's one of them things, isn't it? Everything happens for a reason. I think, like. Yeah. Randy, it was one of them had to go, and it was a powerful. I, I like the way he went. It's one. I of think my Randy's my, fa- my favorite. It's one, it's one of my favorite kills in the franchise. Yeah, it's just it's the brutality of it. It's the way he's like walking around. He's like fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> again, broad daylight in public. They're the, yeah, they're the pulls him killed. into the van. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. So we learned the rules for a trilogy. I didn't. Oh, see I, like, I like Sydney's one liner as well. Before, just before then. Uh, when uh, she's like, he's already rang me, and he's like, what did he say? He's like, oh, you know the usual. How have you been? How do you want to die? And that, <laughs> that made, made me chuckle that bit. But uh, we learned the rules of a trilogy from Randy. Now, I didn't get this, so I didn't know the difference between a sequel and a trilogy. So I thought the sequel was the second and the trilogy was the third. But apparently, you can have loads of sequels. The trilogy is the ending chapter. And I then the ending, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's because it's like three yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. And, and I always thought that the trilogy just meant the third film I, in the, tr- I in thought the th- franchise. I think that's what most, that's what 99% of franchises, like if you say you're going to make a trilogy, you're going to make three films. Yeah. But I, I think like technically, like you're right, it doesn't have to be just three, but that's what most people would think of it as. Because it says if you're looking at average run-of-the-mill sequels, then same rules apply. But if you're looking at the final concluding chapter, you've got yourself a trilogy. So I was like, all right, okay, that's interesting. But we learn the killer's superhuman. You can't stab him, you can't shoot him, you have to cryogenically freeze his head and like get rid of him that way. Anyone can die. That means you, Sid. I'm sorry. This thing could be reservoir of dogs by the time of it And it just says, I like how you mentions that like you go back to the past and learn stuff that you never thought. But... That's one thing I think that Inter spoken about enough in this film. I I don't like Roman as a killer, but I do like that it goes more into Marine Prescott's backstory and it yeah. it ties in well. Like it's it's easy to get distance from what it originally was. And in Scream One, uh, Marine Prescott's murder was a massive part of it. It was, so it was I, I, fresh. It's so, still yeah, raw. So I like how here it's they've, they've gone back into it and they have. They haven't changed what you thought you knew by just completely bullshitting or something that there we believed to be was true. There was like, it. right, well, actually, this thing that we, you'd have no way to know if it was true or not, it's actually not true. Yeah. Like, I like that they do, like, kind of play about with it a bit. And that, I love the, the the two-year gap. Like, it's like a Scooby-Doo, it's like a murder mystery at the same time. Mm. Like, where was she for these two years? I do, I don't think the film's credited enough for what they do in terms of Maureen's... I agree. I would love. I would love to see a prequel when it when it all eventually comes to light. I would have loved to see Marine's story. I wonder story. if Marine died by a Ghostface costume. I bet she would have done. Because because why would they have got the Ghostface costume for Scream if if they didn't? Yeah. I feel like they'd already have had it and thought right now now let's yeah. go on a rampage again using the same it doesn't matter so yeah. no no it's an, it's an interesting point actually but yeah the last point that Randy makes is the past comes to bite you in the ass. like whatever you think you know about the past forget yeah. it you know nothing about the past and it is so true so Gail and Jennifer then head to where the sunrise files are kept and I love this bit and I don't know if you'll get it because you, you don't watch Star Wars not that I do yeah. but I, I do get it do you want do you get the point behind this whole interaction between Carrie Fisher and Gail and Gail. No. So, Carrie Fisher played Princess Leia, like one of the most famous princesses yeah. in like film history. And in the film, she's playing somebody who nearly got the role that Carrie Fisher got. Right. And she there's like a headshot of it and she's called Bianca in the film. And when Gail's like, you know, you look just like, and she's like, yeah, I've been told. Yeah. She's like, I almost got the part. Who got it? The one who sleeps with George Lucas. Because that's what, what happened. Right. And so there's like, it's just a bit of implicit humour and there's a fun fact you will love at the end of that. But I will tell you later. Right. And uh, Jennifer's standing there and she's like, right, okay, so here's the thing. 
I'm going to stick with you and you're going to stick with me because then if the killer sees me and you, he won't want to kill me, I want to kill you. It's good logic. <laughs> it, like, Jennifer's character is crazy, but I actually thought that's not even that bad logic. Like, yeah. If he wants to kill <laughs> Gail, if, so if, 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 if its next target is Gail and both the Gales are together, surely he's going to want to go for the OG Gail. Yeah. That's well, what I was it thinking. It is piss funny when she says it. She's like... Yeah. It is, she she can't believe a it. Character. She's cool. I'll say it about another 30 times whilst this is done. And once again, I'm going to do it now because Gail's like, would you work for the president? Yeah. And she's like, the president bucks. of the studio. <laughs> and she's like, $50? What are you, a reporter from Woods yeah. High? She's got, she's got <laughs> so some wits funny. about her. And she gives a, a ring and, uh, that's worth five grand and she's like, you know, would you work for it now? Now, there's no fucking way that that woman would remember every single face in that studio and yeah. know exactly who Rena Reynolds was. Yeah. And But they managed to find out, and we learned that Maureen Prescott was not Maureen Prescott or Maureen Roberts. She was actually Rena Reynolds when she was in LA. And Jennifer Jolie, who plays Thingy, is um, Jennifer's, like, stage name. Yeah, <laughs> Says you, Jody Jurgensen. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. But then we get a flashback of scream one so it's a mixture of sydney in the bathroom in the high school but then also billy dropping the mask and yeah. things like that so we get a nice little call back there yeah. and angelina's the one who's dropped it and uh sydney panics obviously as you would yeah. but she's just like you know i with the filming stop this is the only time i'll probably ever get to work yeah and, Honestly, if that had been me in that toilet and Sydney Prescott opened the door, there'd have been like no stopping me. I'd have just flung my arms around her. But she's so reserved. She's like, you know, I, I just really wanted to do you proud. Yeah. I, I really wanted to do well in this. And Sydney's really good about yeah. it. You know, considering that these people have completely exploited her life. Yeah. And they're, they're actors, aren't yeah, they? And, and, they're not to blame. You know, I, I just feel like she's really nice about it. And Angelina rushes off, but she's left a hairbrush behind and Sydney goes after her to give her it back. And we walk onto the Woodsboro set. You could check down memory lane for yeah. Sydney. And so she's she's triggered completely. She goes upstairs and she uh, there's well, there's this chase scene first of all. I fucking love the bit where he grabs her and they fall out the window together and then she stands up to run back into the house and she just chucks a bowl of chips at him. Yeah, I I, I noticed that I was like strange choice, like but I think Wes Craven plays on that as well. You think like in horror movies when people just make dumb mistakes. Yeah, she just throws it back. Wes, like, Wes, Craven, Wes Craven must know about that because if, if she'd have done that in like in Brazil, he'd be like, Re retake, why are you throwing a bowl of crisps? Yeah. So he must have told her to do that. <laughs> but I thought it was really funny yeah. how she just chucks crisps at him. And I, lo I love the bit where she hides around the, the door and he fucking, she grabs him and pulls him off. That it's, was so sick. That could have killed him. I, like, I, by reasonable force. Do, do, do you know what? I, if they want a bed there, yeah. I wish the camera was more zoomed in on the face because I watched it. He grabs her and he looks at her and like, there's a minute where the eye to eye, I wish there'd have been more zoomed in on them. Like that bit the there, so you can, you can see eyes. them staring yeah. at each other eye to eye. Yeah, that I would wish. have been a good shot. Yeah, that would have been really good. But she ends up walking into the bedroom, and it's there's like a there's blood everywhere, and there's a body bag. Right, this is where I get confused. What are they reenacting? Are they reenacting Scream One? Are they reenacting Marine's death? Because Marine Prescott, I remember in Scream One, we were told that she was. In a, she was paraded around town square, so she was butchered, but then she was found in the town square. But here, it almost seems like Sydney was the one to find her. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it just makes no sense. But then again, is that Wes Craven playing up to the meta aspect of things that you don't think before, and then, oh shit, you know, everything you thought you knew about the past is wrong? Because the press get things wrong. Maybe, but I feel like that's not the case because it's well too far-fetched for even the people who watch it three or four times to know. Yeah. I feel like if Wes Craven wanted it, there'd be more hints towards that. But it, I think it's just a... I think, I think again, it's just play... It, it's one more scene with uh, Ghost Marine or Ghostface. Who is it? Like, yeah. It's one of them. So then you get the bloody bedsheet and her standing up. Like, the, the bloody bedsheet comes to life. And we don't know once again, this is the bit where we don't know whether it's Sydney's trauma or whether it's Ghostface beneath it. Yeah. But she just ends up flying and she jumps out the window. Yeah. A brave fucking move, to yeah. be fair, because that that grass is not soft. You can literally hear her hit it with a thud. It's a surprise she didn't break something. Yeah. But Dewey grabs her and he's like, it's okay, it's fine. And he's like, no, he was in the house, but nobody was up there. Yeah. And so they, they head off and we... 
um, we learn that we so Dewey and Gail and is it Dewey and Gail and Jennifer? Yeah, they go to Milton's office then yeah. because they work out that John Milton was the producer on all the films that Ma uh, Rena Marine was in. And they walk in and I just fucking, once again, Jennifer, top shout. She's like, you're obsessed with her and you're obsessed with your daughter. And Gail's like, easy there, Gerald. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. But Milton tries to deny it. At first, he's like, you know, I work with a lot of actresses. It's, you know, it, I don't know what it was. But then Dewey's like, all right, I'm just going to give a call to Kincaid then so we can work this out. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, I uh, I remember her. Yeah. And he's like, oh, she was just a bit part. She was nothing. And we find out that essentially she went to these parties that Milton held, which were basically where men raped women yeah, and where, then gave where, them parts. It, it was where the hierarchy of um, film would be. And girls would go there knowing, like, I'm going to basically sell my body for a part in a film. Um, and there's Milton in, like, it, the way he talked about it is disgusting she as did, well. Like, she, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's almost like they, it's their fault. They yeah, knew what they were coming to do. It was coming. the 70s, yeah, like. They, they knew what they were coming to do. Like She didn't do anything them. that she didn't know was coming yeah, or something exactly. like Just that. Yeah, being a proper fucking pervert freak it was basically. disgusting and I'm sorry but I feel like that was Wes Craven commenting on Harvey Weinstein I am surprised Harvey it could, Weinstein it let it, this it, could, it could have been I'm surprised that he let it go but I suppose when you're that arrogant and you feel like you're not going to get caught yeah. you start playing the dangerous game of oh this is a good commentary but he just like everybody in Hollywood knew what was going on yeah like everybody knows what would yeah. happen with the Weinsteins they, you know so many actresses came forward and Wes Craven would have known oh yeah definitely. definitely so maybe he was trying to say it before it actually came out maybe so Sydney and Kincaid are then in Kincaid's office and they're trying to outdark each other and I just fucking love this bit where she's like what's your favourite scary movie and he's like my, my life yeah my life <laughs> Strange. It's like they're trying to like outdark yeah. each other, isn't it? They're like, Who's no, more fucked yeah, up? I'm more fucked up. No, I am. But uh, then Gail, Jennifer, and Dewey are driving down to the police station, and Sydney, I say, I'm, I'm putting in air quotes here, calls and says that Milton has something to tell her about her mum and that she's going to go to this party, she's going to his house. And Dewey's like, I don't think that's a really good idea. Yeah. And she's like, it's all right, I've got Detective Kincaid with me, so it'll be absolutely fine. So they all end up going to the party as well. Now, Roman, it's Roman's birthday as well, may we add, at this point. So that's why everybody's at Milton's. They've yeah. thrown him like a party. And so they're all, all the cast are there that are still alive and, you know, they're all sort of sitting there quite sombre. But then Roman goes to check out the place with Jennifer. Yeah. And then Tyson and Angelina pair up and go off too. Uh, Dewey and Gail call Sydney's number all the meantime and they hear a ringing in the... Again, it really comes into play. Closet. The voice changer that just, you just think, why? Like, why have you done this to yourself? And they open the door and they find the ghost face mask, the phone, and then they also find the voice changer. Why, and I just, why does Dewey, face, he's got our voices. Why does ghost face just leave his fucking costumes kicking about, by the way? Do you know what's weird as well? What? The third voice is Roman's. Is it? So yeah, again, it points to a second killer, maybe using Roman's voice. Yeah, it's a it's a real because you just assume that Roman had used his own voice, uh, unless it's to after, frame anybody. Yeah, if he's is the only voice not on there, you'd think, well, why the why fuck is it, it is on him? there? So I'd, I'd put it down to that. Okay. It's, it's to make him not a suspect. So Roman's going down into the basement, and we don't really see anything else about Roman because then Gail goes down to the basement after because they're like, we need to get out of here. This was a trap. Yeah. And Roman's body's in the coffin. She fucking checks his pulse. This is such an error. Do you, do you know why this pisses me off so much? Because it she doesn't even need to check his pulse for someone's for like if if she'd have not checked his pulse, I'd have been like, he's dead. Like, yeah. Don't need to check his you pulse. don't need to check his why pulse. Why did you? Why? Where's Craven? Must have known that people are gonna think. Well, how is he alive if he was pronounced dead earlier? You could put it down to Gail not doing it, but again, it's pointless. You're, you're clutching at straws. Just don't don't let Gail check her pulse. Don't have that written yeah. into the script. Just leave that bit. Well, Jennifer comes up behind Gail and she's like, is he dead? And she's like, yeah, I think so. And so they run up. Angelina jumps out and they're like, no, we've got to go now. Let's go. And she's like, I'm not staying here with some second-rate actors. And then it reveals, she's like, I didn't fuck that Pete yeah. Milton to... Um, you know, to be killed here with second-rate actors like you. But then Angelina's killed. She runs into Ghostface and she's dragged off. Yeah. And Jennifer, Jennifer and Gail see the body and scream and fuck Legged, off, yeah. which is the best thing to do. 
uh, they run into Dewey. Dewey's like, it's all right. We're all, and Jennifer's like, but it's all right because we're all together and we're safe now. And then fucking ghost face comes in yeah. and just, but I think he punches, punches Dewey. Dewey in the face, yeah. Yeah, he punches Dewey. Tyson gets stabbed and then chased. And at this point, Jennifer also manages to find herself in a secret yeah, passage. Yeah, sort of falls backwards into it. Fucking Tyson's thing where it's like, oh, you motherfucker. Yeah, so you motherfucker just <laughs> legging it away, away from him. Because he comes at, he's at the bottom of the stairs that goes yeah, up. Yeah, starts running back up. And then he gets one of the most inventive kills of the film. Very the good. The next snap, which is a great kill. And if going, uh, Scream is definitely not notorious for good kills. No. The, the, the kills it's are the same. But I think that works well for it. So it's nice to have something like this. A little, a, just, a little sprinkle of Yeah, change. he's still got stabbed, but there's a little bit of a twist in there. It wasn't a massive explosion. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, he the Ghostface pulls the rug out from underneath him and it causes him to trip. But then as he like does like a flip, he cracks his, his neck. And you can yeah. hear it. It's fucking yeah, it's gross. And then he launches him out the window. So at this point, Jennifer's in the secret passage, gets caught out. She's running down the stairs and then ends up running up the stairs back towards the mirrors and she's banging on the mirrors and she's trying to get help. Do you know, you know what that, the mirrors are, aren't you? It's a, it's a spy room. It's, it's another yeah, thing it's so, for Milton. Yeah. yeah, so you can watch people in the bedroom. It's yeah. fucking minging. It's disgusting. But I bet there's places like that actually exist. Oh, yeah. Big people like the Weinstein's house and Epstein's house. Or, 100%. There'll be all sorts of stuff like that. And she's banging and he's getting closer and closer and Dewey's like, look, Gail, the mirrors are moving. I was like, fucking shoot yeah. them. But he's, shoot, he's starting to shoot through the mirrors and Jennifer's like, you can't kill me. I'm supposed to be the third killer. Yeah. And then he stabs her and just as Dewey shoots... Jennifer's she falls, falls out. I don't know where Ghostface goes at this point. Yeah, because it was strange. pretty, pretty like, quick unless after there was, it. Unless there was another way out forward, keep going forward, but if it was backwards, you'd have seen him running back. Yeah. He shut the windows out. And yeah, and he was door. right at the end Yeah, one. so there must have been a way out at the other end. Yeah, there should have been, but yeah, we don't know where he's gone, but I feel like it portrays that whole mystical ghost face thing, doesn't it? Like, yeah. he's supposed to be superhuman in this one, isn't he? Yeah. So it, it's maybe playing into that. I was so sad that Jennifer died. Yeah. She shouldn't have... I think she should have stayed. She should have been a survivor. It's a shame. But they... Gail and Dewey run downstairs. They they sort of split up to grab... I can't remember what Dewey's gone to get or look for the, others. The, the, the I think the literature just like looking for Buzzarsima and then Ghostface grabs, grabs Gail. Gail from behind, doesn't he? But Gail pushes her feet up against the wall and sends them both tumbling down the basement. Yeah. And she rings Dewey and she's like, Dewey, you need to get down here to the basement. And he's like, how do I know you're not the killer? And she's like, get down here. Yeah. And he was like, he's knocked out cold. And he's like, but isn't that something the killer is saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it, he wakes up and you hear Gail scream and then Dewey opens the door just in time. He goes to shoot Ghostface and has no bullets. Yeah. And Ghostface <laughs> just launches the knife and the, the, butt, the butt of the, of the knife, knife smacks yeah. him in the forehead. He tumbles down the stairs and Gail runs over to him. And then you get a really cool shot of Ghostface like unleashing his knife like that and yeah. just standing over them. I liked that. We cut back to Sydney at the police station and we find out that Kincaid's been stalking her a bit. Like, yeah. he has a folder he's, he's, on her. He's obsessed with her, yeah. Yeah, but then, but then you could argue that that's just obsessed with his work because he wants to solve his case and obviously Sydney is a massive part of yeah. it. Yeah. He might be looking back at, like, trying to find out people way back when. Like, are there any people that are still about that might be... Do you know what I mean? People that haven't been in the film but yeah. that parts of Sydney's life that, that might be lurking in the shadows, that could be it. So you could argue that he's, is he weirdly obsessed with her or does he just want to solve this case so bad? But then you start thinking about the file that was asked for about Sydney at yeah. the beginning and then got ransacked but yeah. Dewey moved it and I was just like, oh, that's so clever. But uh, she gets a phone call and it's Ghostface because originally it's uh, it's her own voice. Yeah. And I just like, who's calling? Who's calling? And she's just, she just tries to hang up, and he, he finally goes face and is like, you know, do you not want to? Do you not want to know Sydney? Do you not want to find out? Yeah. And he's like, you know, you've got Gail. Your two friends are here. They're gonna die. And Can I just say that the thing that bugs me about this ending is why doesn't Roman kill Dewey and Gail? There's no reason for him to have not killed him. He's got a voice changer that can imitate the voices that Sydney doesn't know about. All he's doing is leaving himself there more work. The only people that were bothered about killing the big three was um, Mickey and... Mrs. Loomis. No, Mrs. Loomis wasn't bothered, actually. That was... Is no, it Mickey or Ricky? It is Jill, yeah. Jill wanted to, wanted to like, be the star, didn't she? Be the survivor. She wasn't that bothered. No, no, she, no she wanted to do Gail Jill to survive. Because Jill, Jill wanted to write a book with Gail. So, yeah, so there's no there's no reason as to why Roman has left Dewey and Gail alive here. He could have just killed them and it would have made a lot more it sense to kill It did look them. that when he was going behind from behind and the electrics were cut and he thought he'd killed Sydney, 
and shot her. It looked like he was just trying to get out. It didn't look like he was going to go kill them. It looked like he was just trying to escape. Yeah, but what I'm saying. Why didn't yeah. he kill them? Why would he? Why would he potentially leave witnesses? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's just, a weird one. You, you just wouldn't do that. You you kill them because there's no there's, there's no attachment to him. Yeah, it is a weird one. But he contacts Sydney and says basically, don't bring any police. Um. And she's like, well, where am I going? He's like, You'll, I'll tell you when you're on your way. And I was like, well, that's fucking shit. Yeah. I would be fucked if I did that. I can't even get in my car without a sat-nav. But she gets to Milton's eventually, and we learn that she's taken a gun, and he leaves a metal detector by Tyson's body, and he's like, all over. And yeah. so she's like, doing the metal detector, and he's like, other leg too. But because he's distracted by the fact she's not picking her other leg, yeah. he neglects to mention, he neglects to realise that she hadn't actually done the ankle on her yeah. other leg. And so she throws the gun in the pool. We don't know that she's got another one yet. And she goes to, uh, Gail and Dewey are inside and tied and gagged and bound and stuff. Yeah. And just as she's kneeling down, he's like, sit behind you. And then she's like, it's your turn to scream, asshole. And shoots him and he flies to the floor. And in we the think, chest. Oh. Yeah. And we think, oh, this is done. This is good. Uh, then he's gone when she's untied them. So Kincaid appears and he, it's sort of like, what's going on? I'm yeah. here. Why is Kincaid just like, popped apart? Yeah, and, and even Sydney's got a gun especially on. After like, especially after the ghost face would now know that Sydney's got a gun. So if he was ghost face and he thought, fuck, like, I don't want to be shot again. Yeah. Like, costume off, like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. Like, do you know, that, you'd think that would be the common sense thing to do. But Kincaid, to be fair, is like, he puts his gun back in his holster, he's like, Miss Prescott, yeah. and he's like, like I'm... It's fine. We're okay. And so then after that, uh, he gets, uh, Kincaid gets speared. He gets absolutely annihilated. He, but he, he saves, saves Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. He does. And that's cute. And there's a chase scene between Sydney and Ghostface because she, she runs off. I find it really weird that this is the place she ended up in because that's where the movies were playing in. It seems like very coincidental that that's where she'd end up. Yeah. Because that's where Roman set up the final scene. And... We learn that actually beneath the bloody sheet that comes forward, it's Roman. And Roman was the killer who was yeah. the director of Stab 3. And we learn that he was a child of rape. So obviously Maureen was raped by Milton and his friends. Ro Ro yeah, Roman... He, I feel bad for Roman. I, I don't feel bad for him, but I, you, you think his motive is probably the most understandable as yeah. to why it would make it doesn't justify snap. him yeah, killing yeah. but i feel bad for his situation yeah. like without him murdering people i feel bad for him but uh we learn he was a child of rape and we also learn he's got milton tied up yeah in the cupboard so what's happened is he's manipulated the sydney voice changer to make it sound like sydney had done everything yeah and he was going to play it on an answering machine and uh, he rips milton i love this bit he rips milton's uh duct tape off and he's like i can give you anything you want roman funds this this final cut and he's like i've already got it and just slits yeah. his throat and i i liked that and it was it was a good it was a fitting end for him i didn't feel bad for milton yeah he was a piece of shit like he deserved to die oh yeah definitely he so he can carry on and but at this point like roman's going on a bit and he's like you know she shut me out in the cold city like i was i was in love like and blah 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 and she's sitting there and like when he's going through this big soliloquy because she's holding this bat thing up and like you can just see it lowering and it getting more and yeah. more perplexed. And she's like, "Why don't you stop your whining and get on with it? I've heard this shit before." Yeah, she's she's just fucking. She's she's, she's ready, isn't she? Yeah. yeah, and she says, you know, she she basically says she says fuck you, and then he he launches at her. She gets overpowered and pretty beaten up. To be fair, yeah. on her part, Kincaid manages to get in because Dewey brought down the electrics, and he gets a chair to the back and falls to the floor. At this point, Sydney stands up and she's like, lost something. And Roman goes, found something. And he pulls the gun out that Kincaid had and shoots her. I love this little twist at the end. It's a good one. It is a good one. So she hits the floor and he shoots her in the chest again. And fucking hell, that must have hurt. Like, even with a... Even with a oh, yeah, it's, it's, still, it's still a whinger. It, yeah, it's I was going to say, out, it yeah. must have fucking hurt. But it... And even though I know she lives, and even though there's another film, and another film coming out with her in it... It still breaks my heart this scene, yeah. seeing her curled over. This is I don't think I can cope with seeing her die. I think I genuinely we'll will crush me. But 
uh, Roman's looking to unlock the doors and things like that and sort everything out and he turns back around and Sydney's gone. Roman's fuming and he starts searching the place. I love I love this little bit now, like it happened in Scream One as well, where the tables turn a bit yeah. and like, the hunter becomes a hunted. So she silently picks up the ice pick and he's trying to ring her, but as soon as he tries to ring her, it says Sydney incoming. And as soon as it says Sydney yeah. incoming, she plunges this ice pick into the back and then the heart. So she she drops into the heart and this this scene maybe I cried at this scene last night actually I don't know whether it's because I'm an emotional being anyway but where she holds his hand as he dies yeah I'm not I, I'm not as keen on that because I feel like he was a brother I know but I just feel like you fucking stabbed the cunt like he's killed all your friends yeah like, but he was you, a brother I'd, I'd feel no emotion to him I'd want him to be dead I think she has empathy and I think that's I, what I, makes I think, sense I think, it's, I think it's a Hollywood girl. thing like, I think in a real life scenario you won't be you won't be like holding their hand you just want to kill I'm, I'm good she didn't use a knife to be honest when she held his hand and, and also he he's still wearing his. that vest so I don't know how she got it through so easily Maybe she that, got it. It was the. I think it was more the back that probably killed him more. But she does. She does plunge it. She, she put an ice pick in his back, didn't she? Yeah, that's. What I'm, yeah, it's the top of his. Oh back. right. Yeah, but she stabs it. Yeah, I know she chest, stabs it through yeah. his chest, but I, I don't think he was very well either. Maybe yeah. that's why he survived. Mm, maybe. But there was blood spilling out of his heart, so it, it must have got in somewhere. She yeah. must have just done it with some force. And say so she holds her hands, his hand as he dies, and it, you can tell it hurts Sydney. And oh she, yeah, she, well it's not. It's it's it. I think it's what makes Sydney an a formidable character. She's got empathy, and she's she's like she's not let what's happened harden her. Yeah, she has, but not not to the point where she feels nothing. But then after <laughs> afterwards, uh, he's like, we should get. Dewey's like, we should get him one last shot, and she's like. He wasn't super yeah. And then he turns around and he fucking goes for her. And Dewey's shooting him in the chest and he's still screaming and running forward. And she's like, head. in the head, Dewey. And he shoots him in the head and it kills him. And then we get the happy ending. So Sydney breaks open the gates. Dewey asks Gail to marry him. And, you know, they walk into the house and Sid's like, oh, and Kincaid's there with a bowl of popcorn. Yeah. He's travelled from LA apparently. And he's like, oh, we're going to be about to watch a film. And she's like, what film? Like, oh, you have to wait and see. And then as she goes to go in, the door opens and she sort of looks at it and then walks it. It's like, it's like, bury that. I think that's yeah. saying I'm burying the hatchet. I'm like, yeah. paranoia is over now. My life. Which are, is, a bit, is a bit strange because every time she finishes, there's never been an inkling to like, to Sydney anyway, to be like, there's still someone there like, do you know what I mean? At the end yeah. of the film, she's thought, that's it, it's over. Well, we did completely forget this little thing. So just a brief explanation of what Roman was behind Maureen's death. So, oh, yeah. yeah, we completely missed that. So basically, Roman got rejected from Maureen when he went to go find her and he decided to make his own little home movies and then realised that Maureen wasn't as innocent as she like she made out to be and so he started filming her and then he showed the tapes to Billy who then lost it and like sort of murmured like words in his ear of you know she's ruining your life she's ruined yeah. your family your mother's left you and that's what drove him to kill him many people think that Roman is the one hiding in the bushes in Scream 1 yeah in the house and watching them uh, that, that thing it could be but that thing's fucking bollocks like you wouldn't be walking around in a ghost face costume would you and in Scream 2 in the final credit scene at the church tower when they're lifting you know like they do the shot where they zoom out at yeah. the end you can see ghost face in the church tower can you mm. I never noticed yeah, that. Yeah, there's a picture of it. It was on Reddit. I saw it. It was, oh, uh, shit. And it was, it was very clever. So it was the idea that he was with her all along. Ah. Which was, I thought was pretty good. But then that is the, that is the end of the movie. Fun facts then. Fun fact. I've got many. Are you ready? Oh, no, wait. Budget. Uh, oh. oh. 23 million. 40 million. Fuck it. It had a big budget. It, it had two successful films, didn't it? So the third one was going to get a successful one. Box office? Um, 76 million. 161.8 million. It earned a lot. It was, I think, I do believe, I'm not sure about Screen 4, but it was one of the lowest ranking um, film yeah. box office, though, for, for the Screen franchise. So, behind the scenes facts. Wes Craven filmed three different endings and didn't tell the cast which one he was going to use. So, it was a surprise to them when they watched the film which ah. ending it was. So, a few of them thought they were the killers when they weren't. Apparently so. Nice. Patrick Dempsey, who played 
Detective Kincaid was hired the day before shooting began. He had three big dialogue scenes that he had to recite the night before and had to learn. Mm. Nev Campbell was shooting alongside Drowning Mona and Party of Five at the time, so she was only on set for 20 days. That, re- that was the reason she had less screen time. Right. And also, due to the contracts, this is the first time Nev Campbell had to wear a wig to play Sydney because a character in Drowning Mona had long, streaky hair. So she had to wear a wig, which took two hours each day. Jamie Lee Curtis was offered the role of Bianca, who Carrie Fisher played, um, but she turned it down and it went to Carrie Fisher instead. So I'm presuming they would have had her as Jamie Lee Curtis and been like, yeah, it was similar, but who won? The one who slept with God knows who. Who's the carpenter? What's his name? Who's the director of? John Carpenter. John Carpenter. Yeah, the one who slept with John Carpenter. So I'm presuming it was someone like that would have come up. Kevin Williamson didn't write the script that he and he'd written the first two and he did hand them an outline but the writer that it was passed on to Ethan Kruger completely scrapped it and wrote his own mostly on the fly. It was so out of the screen franchise and the characters were so different that Wes Craven had to do rewrites mm. and that's why it is what it is. Wes Craven was briefly considered for the role of Milton. Really? Bloody hell. So he, he played... He would have played the villain, which would have been an even bigger statement in Hollywood. Stone Cold Steve Austin was considered for Stone, Jennifer's bodyguard. Really? Yeah. Because of the Columbine massacre, the film's violence was toned down. It It was supposed to be bloodless, but Wes Craven fought for it not to be. When Sydney jumps over the bar and stabs Roman in the back, Nev Campbell missed the pad she was supposed to aim at and hit flesh. Scott Foley's scream was genuine. That's twice she's yeah. done that. She did it to Billy. As she did it to Skeet Ulrich as well in the place he had heart surgery. And then lastly, Angelina was meant to be the second killer, Roman's girlfriend and ex-classmate to Sydney. Nice. There so, I think it's my would you rather. No, it's mine. Are you sure? Yeah. You're not going to ask me this underrated question. Yep, I am. Who's the most underrated killer? In... Did I warn you yesterday? I know, but I've been busy and I have actually been busy. Right, let me think about it. Right, so after some careful consideration, my answer is Bruce from Jaws. That's a good answer. Because he's, he's one of the most feared killers, and he's just he's just living his own just life. Just a little shot. He, he's just doing what he's doing, what he's made to do. Like every other killer, like I was going to say John Kramer because of the work he did behind the scenes, but he's not underrated. He's no, still people massive. like yeah, yeah, people are like big the, fans. The, the Bruce from Jaws, he, he, he you could argue not in a good way. He made he, he has made. The world, or the vast majority of the world, scared of sharks. Like when yeah. actually, when you actually like watch Shark Week documentaries and that, they're actually not like they don't. They're not portrayed as they yeah, are. Yeah, they're not. They don't. They're not evil. They're not. They're not monsters. They're just animals that, like, and where sometimes they mistake us for food that they want. Like they don't want to eat humans. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Bruce. I think I'd go with that as well. Actually, I he's, think that's a good one. He he just he's he's terrified. He's terrified generations of kids who might not even watch a film because the parents are yeah, scared it. of yeah for shark. So film for next week. You know what? Jaws two. Ooh. We're gonna go with Jaws two for next week. Jaws two. See, today you brought it up. Well, you brought it up. Well, I brought it up. Yeah, we'll go with Jaws 2 next week. Let's start going on the downhill slope of the Jaws films. Hey, Jaws, the revenge is the best yeah, Jaws. Yeah, it is. Is I'm that the one where underwater in that fucking... What's the one where in that sea world underground? Oh, no, that's Jaws 3D. Is it? Yeah. I, I used to be terrified that of the underground good. bit. I like, the bit I like Jaws, the revenge, you know, where he's after the mother. Oh, yeah, Fucking love yeah. that one. Oh. It's my favourite. Right, so tune in next week for Jaws 2. Thanks for listening. Bye.